having direct connection to real people through email has allowed people to build six or seven figure online businesses for more than 20 years. For more than 20 years, no other, I mean, that's like before Facebook existed, when back when, you know, before MySpace. I mean, it was like all of those things, email has continued to succeed. And that's really the foundation of our business. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, we're going to talk about profit and process. My guest in studio today is John Meese. He is the Dean of Platform University. John leads a team focused on simplifying online marketing for professionals and runs three successful businesses, including a co-working space that is walking distance from his house. John's passion is teaching entrepreneurs and busy professionals how to systematize their business and build build an engaged online audience. Well, hey, John, super excited to have you on the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, thank you, Doug, for having me. I am so excited to be here. Looking through your bio, it looks like you've got lots of gifts and talents and lots of ways that you serve your audience. Do you want to just share with our listeners right now, you know, what do you consider your superpower and how you help people? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. I think, you know, that's, of course, my own perception of my quote, superpower has definitely changed over time. But (laughs) Something that really stuck with me that a colleague shared probably only a year ago was that she commented that I have a unique perspective to understand the need for both process and profit. And so I've really been, you know, over the last couple of years, really just been developing better my understanding of kind of where I fit in the middle of that, because I find most entrepreneurs are typically either drawn to kind of like the big promotions and big launches that generate lots of revenue, or they're drawn to like operations and efficiency and managing budgets. And I'm in this weird tension in the middle where I like I get excited about profit being the scorecard and profit is a mix of both how you make money as well as how you keep money. And so I mean, a lot of times when I work with clients, they say that the like the whole idea of turning complex ideas into simple concepts, something you can act on, that that's something they often comes up in common themes and feedback. So yeah, I mean, I would say those would be my superpower powers is simplifying things and then um, process and profit. Well, and I, I mean, obviously both those things are important for you to keep the lights on your business. Yes. And my experience as I've you know gotten older is that I've now find myself spending more time on process than I did before. When I was a young entrepreneur, it was like, hey, what can we do just to get out there and make some money? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of learn that, well, now you want to scale. Now you need some process or processes in place and some systems or some operating procedures as you're going to start to staff or, or outsource source and, and uh, delegate. So is that what you're talking about when you're talking about process? Totally, totally. I think that, um, well, what I find is that a lot of, I find, I mean, I end up working with people who are on the extremes and they're sort of like the people who are using rocket fuel language for a minute. Uh, are, are you familiar with rocket fuel or US money chance? I'm not. Okay. Well, you'll at least understand the concept, which is that they kind of talk about in the book Rocket Fuel the, about how like the best businesses typically have someone who's the visionary and someone who's the integrator. Someone who's got the big ideas, who's moving fast, who's breaking things, and somebody else who's kind of saying like, okay, let's clean this up and let's let's operate. But there ends up being this really this tension between those two often. So 
what I love to do is I love to talk to visionaries, people who are excited about building things and creating things, but don't see the need for process and really just help <laughs> them understand that there's really just a few key areas of your business where if you, if you don't need a detailed operations manual, if you put systems in a few key areas of your business, it dramatically increases your results. And so typically that's your sales uh, and your marketing, I mean, and your financial management. I mean, that's like literally, it's just like where money happens. If you put those systems in place, everything else becomes a lot easier. That's cool. I'm just making a note. I, I did notice when I was looking through your website that uh, one of the services they have online kind of dives into that in terms of systems and and then also making sure you're paying attention to your numbers yeah. uh, for sales and financial and how much money comes in and how much money goes out and how predictable it is and are you keeping track of it? So when you start working with a business, you know, why don't you give us an idea what types of businesses you work with in terms of size or maybe industry? Sure. Well, I will say that actually the bulk of my attention these days is typically through Platform University, and that's where we simplify online marketing for professionals. So the a lot of the systems building that I do has actually been on the back end of Platform University, you know, for the last couple of years of really just that's where we it's a membership site. It's a it's a multi-million dollar membership site that's been around for seven years, which in the internet, in terms of membership sites, that's like dinosaur. It's <laughs> a really long time. Yeah. yeah, it's a really long time. So so really coming into that as something that Michael Hyatt built, and then I came in as the dean to take over as a brand director and run that as a business unit. It was actually a really cool experiment to walk into something that had been built huge and quickly. And, you know, there's a little, there's some mess, there's a little mess going on. And so I was able to come in and really build out those systems and then use that same systemizability mindset, which is what I talk about on my blog, to break down the whole idea of what is online marketing and how do you do that as a professional. And so, I mean, a lot of the times the, our customers are um, attorneys or accountants or doctors and nutritionists, and they're not looking to become full-time marketers. They're just looking to figure out how do I grow my practice? And they know that online marketing is a key thing, but they really wanted the simple path. And so we simplify that whole process and make it step by step in terms of, you know, what what you need to do to grow your audience in what way to grow your business. And we focus more on the long-term strategies that really stand the test of time. And we spend less time on like TikTok and whatever the latest, you know, cool thing is. <laughs> yeah, I can't keep up with the latest stuff. I, yeah. you know, I feel kind of bad because I look at how many hours I spend on the computer and all the new technology I look at and all the guests that I interview in my podcast, thinking, man, I can't keep up with it. How can yeah. a small business owner have a chance in keeping up with, uh, with the changes that they change so quick? Totally. Well, that's what we just don't try. I mean, because kind of because we are a dinosaur, you know, like over the last seven years, serving more than 25,000 paying students through Platform University, we've been able to see what actually works and what works year over year over year. I mean, not just what works like in 2014, but also what works in 2020 and what's worked every single year since then. And so there are a lot of things and strategies that change, but there are some core foundational strategies that, that really have continued to, we, we rely a lot on those. So what's stayed the same and what has changed? Well, one of the things, and it's actually, you know, it's kind of like the least, to a lot of people, it's like the most boring part of like online marketing is email. But the reality is like, it's just it, you know, having direct connection to real people through email has allowed people to build six or seven figure online businesses for more than 20 years, for more than 20 years. No other tech. I mean, that's like before Facebook existed when back when, you know, before MySpace. I mean, it was like all of those things. Email has continued to succeed. And that's really the foundation of our business. So then it's a question of, OK, who's on your email list and how do you get them on your email list? There's a lot of different strategies for that. But really. What we teach is that you want to have a direct contact to your target customer. And so you have to have clarity on who your target customer is. 
but that's you know it really comes back to having the ability to go around the gatekeepers i mean you know building a social media platform on instagram or facebook or youtube or twitter etc that can all be a really great way to build your core audience or to engage with people but you have to take that a little bit deeper beyond the sort of community vibe for a couple of reasons one is you want to go deeper with customers to better understand them and to help serve them but and the second is that you're building your house on a rented lot if you're relying on social media exclusively and, and the rules can change at any time i mean organic social reach on on facebook is almost zero now i mean it went from when you first got you know you have a you can if you get two percent of your audience to see one of your posts that's a good day um without paying <laughs> yeah. for ads and so that's just that's just you know i don't like those numbers <laughs> and so we use social media strategically to grow our email list but it really comes back to email being the the core of that well, I was just going to let you carry on and talk about email because my deep expertise is in 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 partnering with publishers and renting their data to get them to send your message out oh, to that's their awesome. audience. Well, I didn't even know that. So, but perfect. So, so I appreciate that. Thank you. I I, I fully support your uh, position on email. <laughs> Good. Well, one of the things we found to to that point, just to expand on a little bit, is that it's it's highly scalable. What mm-hmm. you know, we've hired. You know, ten years ago, we started hiring social media influencers on Twitter to post and people say, well, you know, what's your ROI? And so, I um, mean, we would look at, okay, so the least expensive is organic traffic, but it takes a long time to get the SEO right and compete. Mm-hmm. Um, the next most expensive, if you want to look at it that way and a scales is rising is social media and then um, Google and then third-party email and then direct mail. However, when I wanted to scale, I couldn't scale quickly enough unless I use email because I couldn't go out to Google AdWords or to Facebook and I couldn't buy an audience of five or 600,000 people that would see my message in 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 30 minutes yeah i love that and i think that i mean this is this what you're describing is the same reason why we've seen like i mean industry studies kind of vary whether it's one email subscriber is either 10 times more likely or 20 times more likely to buy a product than a social media follower but whatever the number is it's a lot you know and so um that's i mean that's just the data is right there but i also love to think about because it coming back to the whole idea of like simplifying things if you're talking to a small business owner, or maybe someone's listening right now, if you're a small business owner or you're a professional and you don't want to become a full-time marketer, you got to focus first on what do you already know how to do well? Well, you've probably spent years or decades of your career emailing people, right? I mean, like opening you know, Outlook <laughs> or Gmail and sending an email to a client or a friend. And so you've essentially trained yourself. You spent your 10,000 hours getting good at sending people emails. And then all we're saying is, well, why don't you translate that skill to and turn that into a marketing strategy where you can send one-to-one emails at scale. Because that's really, I'm not talking about sending email, quote, blasts. I mean, that's that's like the worst thing. I'm talking about sending one-to-one emails at scale and really, you know, developing relationships and conversation with people. So walk me through a little bit of how your platform works. So you're, like you said, you're working with doctors, dentists, accountants, those types. Mm-hmm. So are they wanting to learn how to do it themselves or are, are they coming to you to learn how to evaluate uh, potential vendors and partners or have an understanding or what, what is the reason they use the platform? Sure. So, I mean, it's a, it's an educational information, you know, product membership site. So we primarily teach people how to do it themselves, but we do cover delegation strategies and tactics in there, but we always encourage people to learn the basics first. And when I say basics, like we're, I mean, really we're focusing on fundamental strategy. And then we talk about, okay, you can then pull in a contractor to help you with, you know, either there's a lot of different steps that you can outsource, but especially for these small businesses that don't have a huge budget, you need to have a rough idea of kind of what you're doing first to be able to actually 
profit from having that delegation in the first place. Well, the big demand and the social side for Facebook advertising, for example, it's mm-hmm. it's not uncommon to see people charging from anywhere from a thousand dollars, but most are two or three thousand dollars and up per month as a retainer before you even put any dollars into advertising spend. Right. Well, and we're telling people, so our membership site. I mean, just candidly, it's forty seven dollars a month to be a member, and then you get access to the the training and our community, and you know we do live coaching as well through there. And then when people actually come through there, we teach them, we really usually go through the framework of, okay, let's assume you have 30 minutes a day of focused time spent on building your platform, your online audience. Um, Most people can't spare three hours a day. They're busy enough as it is, but most people can spare 30 minutes a day. And so we walk them through, okay, if you just have 30 minutes, here's what we should, you should do. And so it's bite-sized. And so you're not going to, you know, go through that and suddenly like triple your business in a month. But you're going to build the habit of really investing in the online side of your business. And so then that you see that incremental growth, which, I mean, really scales really quickly once you hit an inflection point. And so that's, you know, that's what we teach is, is let's assume you have 30 minutes a day. We can teach you what to do to grow your audience and to launch digital products as well that are really going to grow the digital side of your business or create a digital business from scratch if you don't already have other products elsewhere. So I, I just need to bring up or ask the question, I guess, in terms of your view on social media. Yes. When I looked at your, your bio and your background and what you're doing uh, in a world where everybody's fascinated and spends four hours on their iPhone every day. So what do you, um, what's your take on social media today? Okay. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I did this. Well, I should back up a little bit. I thought about getting rid of my social media accounts a while ago, but I essentially like I teach digital marketing for a living publicly. So I knew that I couldn't make the decision unless I like clearly documented and thought through why, because it was going to be a question on every interview, which it is now. So, <laughs> so I actually wrote a blog post detailing this uh, on my own blog. So johnmeese.com slash social, but I want to summarize for you. I think there's really two different ways to think about this. One is your personal use and one is professional use of social media. And so since we're talking about marketing, I'll focus on the professional use side. But there's this sort of what I like to call the visibility bias going on every day online. And that is essentially that if you are trying to grow your business, and whether it's a new business or an established business, if you're trying to grow your business, then it's, you know, in fact, good practice to look around at, okay, what other businesses are doing well in your industry and to kind of learn from them. But if you do that, this is where you run into the visibility bias. If you see that other people are successful, all you can see that they're doing is posting on social media and comments and likes. You can't see what they're doing behind the scenes. And so it creates this bias where it makes it seem like social media is the most effective marketing strategy today, but it's actually just the most visible. That if you back up from that, the reality is that you can't see, even if you're looking at a successful business, what you cannot see from your side as an outsider is how many people are landing on their website from a Google search. How many people are landing on their website by clicking a link in an email they sent? How many people are on a phone call with a real life person? How many people are in a live chat window? You can't see any of that if you're on the outside. The only thing you can see is what they post on social media. And so it sort of seems like they post on social media, therefore they are successful. And so it creates this this default situation where every new business the minute they come up with the name of their business, they're already creating social media handles. They're already saying, okay, like creating a business is synonymous with social media. And I'm not anti-social media across the board. Instead, I back up and say, I want to just change the default. I want for business to default to no social media, just like I default to to no on every other marketing strategy. 
right? Like you don't, by default, I don't do paid advertising. By default, I don't do SEO. By default, I don't have social media accounts. And then I evaluate each of those opportunities and say, okay, where do I want to spend my time and my money to get an ROI? And social media is an option, but even then, social media is a category. As a subset of that, I try to think through, okay, where's my target audience already hanging out? Are they on Instagram? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they on Facebook? And I pick one of those to focus on. And that's what we tell our platform university students as well, is to say hyper-focus on one. And once you've achieved a certain measure of success and you can expand your team to help have dedicated marketing resources, then sure, you can be on other platforms, but don't try to do it all yourself because you're just going to spread yourself thin (laughs) and you're just not going to see ROI. You're right. Yeah. I mean, we focus typically find a channel that works, uh, leverage it, get it working. So it's, it's producing uh, lots of revenue or lots of leads or whatever the goal is. And then, then add a second one, but you can't, you can't get 10 up and running at the same time. Yeah. So that's why Doug, I mean, kind of like the question behind the question is that's what kind of led me to delete all of my own personal social media accounts. Cause you know, I didn't wake up with this sort of enlightenment. I kind of gradually came to this conclusion over time because I realized that I was spending I, I made a list of all the things that I knew I needed to spend more time on that I wasn't doing, like spending more time optimizing my content for search engines or spending more time writing more content or launching a YouTube channel. Those were things that I knew that I needed to do, but I kept kicking the can down the road. And then I liked what, what I was doing, which was like, you know, tweeting clever quotes and posting good pictures on Instagram. And I, you know, it just, it just seemed like just, it seemed ludicrous to really prioritize one over the other. And so I just deleted the social media accounts to take away the temptation. And I've been so much more focused because of it. No, that's really cool. So that's a very interesting perspective because that's totally opposite of what you see most people doing, mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, when we're working with a client um, or even looking at our own business, people may see the only thing they see is what's available publicly, which is the social side, but they don't see anything else. Exactly. So, so they miss where where the real secret sauce is. And even when we're working with clients where we're renting data. So if we went to the Washington Post, for example, and had them send an email out to 300,000 people, they'd never see that unless they were on the list. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so sometimes we would put social up there to deflect people so they would look at our client who is trying to emulate or emulate what we're doing in copy. They go, oh, look at all the stuff they're doing in social. It's like, yeah, that's just a distraction. That's just a, a placeholder. We're making the real money on the back end. Like you said, building a really big responsive list that people can't see. Yeah, it's kind of like looking at a I mean, I'm just trying to think through like a brick and mortar kind of example, of, but it's kind of like looking at a coffee shop that's really successful that has a line of customers out the door. I mean, like, man, they've got a well-painted sign. Like, it's, it's, it's like, that's sure, that's the most visible thing, but that's not why they have so many customers. They have a good product and they have a good marketing. I mean, like, it's got to be more than just the pretty sign on the door, which is often what social media becomes. So do you have uh, an example or a case study that you can share of a, a, a client or a few clients that you've worked with? Um, so I actually haven't done one-to-one client work in a couple years. I used to do that or probably three years, but we have done, so I did a group coaching program last year, but usually it's actually like the students themselves in platform university that are the focus. So I can say they're a good example of one of our stars, I say two star students who've done really well. One is, um, Mike Kim and another is Javon Ellison where they have essentially taken everything inside of platform university and they've just like gone to town. I mean, they've just, they've built entire, they've changed their careers by building online platforms where they're creating free content to serve a specific target audience. And they're creating, I mean, I I love to say, by the way, I love the name of your podcast, Real Marketing Real Fast, because what I always tell people that the success in business is to create real solutions to real problems for real people. I mean, and like, sure, we can talk about the how to do that and the tactics all day long, but that's what it comes back to. It's like at the core of it, are you creating real solutions to real problems for real people. And in, uh, 
in in Mike Kim's case, he was able to leave a six figure job as a CMO in New York City to just essentially write. I mean, like he, he's a copywriter and a blogger, and, but he, he essentially does that, not just not just essentially, he does. He does that full time and he's been able to work directly with uh, the John Maxwell team as well as Donald Miller's team and other you know, well-known marketing companies by taking what he's uh, learned and putting into practice. That's really cool. Well, and I, well, what I thought was really interesting is you said that you encourage your, you know, your customers, your clients that are on the university platform to spend 30 minutes a day. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know any of my clients that spend 30 minutes a day yeah. on marketing. They're, you know, usually big vision guys and there's a team of people uh, working with them and there's normally someone following up behind them and cleaning up the mess. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, no, I think that's, that's, Probably that's really that's pretty common. I mean, and honestly, the same is true for many people that join Platform University with every intention to do thirty minutes a day, and and that some don't do that. But the ones that do, I mean, you know, the first thirty minutes you may not feel a sense of accomplishment. The second day, maybe not, maybe not. But by the end of a week, when you start looking back at what you've accomplished, it stacks. And so, no matter what your role is in the company, even if you're a busy CEO or owner, if you spend thirty minutes a day on marketing, I mean. Like what more important thing could you have to do than grow your business? I mean, that's what marketing is. It's it's basically it's it's strategically telling people that you were here to solve their problems and to make their world the life their life better and make the world better and to grow your business because of it. I mean, it's one of the noblest things you can do in business. Well, and I would say, you know, spend time on both sales and marketing every day. Yeah. Um, you know, and what I've often said as people talk to me as I talk about social, I mean, I do lots of stuff in social, but to your point, I have, you know, I have resources that like I have one person who manages my LinkedIn account. Right. So it's very easy for me to be on LinkedIn and and field requests and, and qualify people because somebody does that. But you know, often I see entrepreneurs that, you know, they they don't like selling. So they will mask their work by saying, hey, look, I'm posting on social, mm -hmm. which is great if you're getting leads from social, but don't don't use that as an excuse to, hey, look at all the work I did today. Like, did you talk to a customer? Exactly. Um, to your point, did you send an email to a customer? Did you respond to somebody's request? Just simply updating your your status on Facebook isn't enough to to keep your bills paid. Well, and Doug, to that point, I mean, I'll, I, I love that. And we've never, we don't really spend much time talking about renting or buying email lists, but usually our customers are building them from scratch. And so one of the, you know, one of the deep dives we've done in our Teach It Forward newsletter is to talk about how you get your first 100 email subscribers is literally you pick up the phone. And so, so many people are doing what you're describing where they're saying like, oh man, I'm posting on Facebook or like I made a pretty opt-in page and it looks nice, but for some reason I'm not growing my email list. And for the first 100 email subscribers, we're saying like, no, you literally like you get your phone and you go through your contacts and you call or text people that you think are interested in whatever it is that you're offering. And you call or text them and you say, hey, I'm creating this thing. Would you be interested? Um, can I add your name to the list? And they say yes. And then you do it. So no, that doesn't scale. Like after 100 email subscribers, you know, like you can't do you can't grow a, a email list of 100,000 subscribers that way efficiently. But that, but you have to have those conversations when you start because you learn things, you craft your message better, you become better at actually like confidently, you know, confidently marketing what you have to offer in those conversations. And so it's a mask to hide behind posting on social media or creating opt-ins and not just talking to people and forgetting that the whole, I mean, all we're doing in business is we're creating real solutions to real problems for real people. And if you don't get to the real people, if you never connect with them, you can be completely out of touch and not know it. 
Well, and that's what I found so interesting. You know, like we talked briefly before I started recording about the time that we're in now, right. where, you know, everybody's at home because they have to be at home. And, you know, I've uh, had some great conversations with people, uh, you know, not face to face, obviously, but, right. but video calls. And, and it's been so good to reach out and just introduce people that, that, you know, don't typically do that. They just work behind their computer and there is no visibility and say, mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to hop on a zoom call. We've got four or five other people I want to introduce you to. So simple to do. Um, no sales pressure. It's just a conversation. Yeah. What on that sales pressure? I love that. I love that. And I mean, on the topic of kind of like the current crisis that, and just like the whole idea of connecting to real people, it becomes really easy to, to know where you need to pivot your business, your marketing strategy. If you have clarity on who the real people are that you're helping. So the real people, when their world changes because of some, you know, quarantine or social distancing or health or economic or emotional crisis, it becomes, it, it's, it's not confusing at all for you as a business owner. You know exactly where you need to pivot your language and your marketing or to pivot how you're marketing to people. If you have clarity in who the real people are, if you actually, there are human beings on the other end of that marketing funnel. And if you get clarity on who those human beings are, everything else just becomes part of being a healthy person, you know, empathy. <laughs> and so um, empathy becomes your superpower as a marketer. So what are you most excited about in the next six to 12 months? I mean, I know this is an odd question. I mean, normally this, yeah. this question seems so normal to ask because, you know, business is, you know, business as usual, but now business isn't usual. No. So we're, we're <laughs> yeah, anything but. So, you know, from your point with what you guys do, because you're providing, you know, a sure. digital um, connection. One of the things that I'm most excited about is definitely not business as usual, which is that we've kind of, we've created some content in the past and we've talked about leaning into doing, you know, just free YouTube content more often because we actually do professional, really good video content on a regular basis, but it's all behind the paywall of our membership site. So we know like we know how to do it really well. We just haven't prioritized YouTube as a channel. So in the spirit of what does this make possible in the current crisis where all of a sudden people are you know being laid off, people are starting to question the stability of their income, people are stuck at home and they're looking for their income sources, we realize that we're uniquely positioned to help those people and not just sell to them, but help them genuinely. So for the month, uh, well, I mean, it's recording this, we're about to kick this off. So for the month of April, we're publishing a video every single day on our Platform University YouTube channel. And each one is a tactical tip that you can apply to building an online audience from scratch. And so that's, I'm really excited about that. I mean, can we keep up a daily momentum after April? Probably not. I mean, that's not business as usual for us. That's, we're literally doing 30 days of a video every day. And they're going to be like highly produced videos and really good content because I've already reviewed most of them. So I'm excited. But I'm, I'm sure if you, you know, if you, um, you, you meet their need right. and, and they have that, that connection and that feeling of reciprocity, I mean, it will grow your business and it might be something you continue ongoing. Totally. I don't think we'll do it daily, but we are planning to keep doing it after, you know, we'll probably switch to like every other week or weekly or something like that after that. But I'm excited because it allows us to really say like, wait a second, we thought we had a year's worth of content, but let's just publish it all in a month. And let's just say like right now, people have this need desperately. We want to meet that need. We want to serve them. I mean, genuinely, we want to help these real people. And on the flip side of that, we fully expect that many of them are going to subscribe, either become paying members or just become email subscribers that refer friends. And that that's going to grow our business. I mean, so I'm confident there will be growth on the other side of it and also just confident that it's going to help. It's going to really going to help people out. So that's what I'm excited about right now. So what are you seeing right now in terms of um, engagement? 
Oh, are you seeing any, is there, is there any difference from um, a month ago, two months ago, or this time last year? Yes. Yes. There's a huge uptick for us in engagement. I will say that like right when the news cycle kind of hit its pinnacle and everybody kind of froze, like not sure what to do about COVID-19. That sounds weird to say out loud. COVID-19 coronavirus. Right when the news cycle hit its pinnacle, then everything kind of froze. Like we had, we were actually in the big middle of a big promotion and it just stopped. Like just everything stopped, everything froze because everyone was just kind of like not sure what was going on. But as soon as we got to the other side of it and, you know, we're as we're recording this, we're still in the midst of a health crisis, but people have at least started to kind of, you know, at least move forward and take action a little bit more. Now, all of a sudden, we've seen a huge uptick in our existing members who pay us a monthly fee. You know, some of them hopping on who haven't logged in, you know, in months or <laughs> saying like, you know, like, all right, I'm in, I'm here. What are we going to do? So we actually want a 90 day jumpstart just for our members. That's just like a live walkthrough of, you know, like core concepts and, you know, deliverables of helping people get their first hundred email subscribers and launch their website and all that good stuff. So yeah, huge uptick in engagement. And up until recently, Platform University was usually closed. Like we only opened enrollment once or twice a year, but because there was, a, there was already so much demand, we just... I mean, literally, we just like flipped a switch and, you know, turned it on and said, okay, it's open. And 20 people signed up immediately. I mean, we did, we, it was a PS of one email. We were like, PS, we decided that we want to leave this open because we don't want to hold you back if you, if now's the time for you to focus on building your platform. And 20 customers immediately signed up. So we're definitely seeing that right now. That's really, that's really cool. I like the idea of the 90 day jumpstart. Yeah. I, I did yeah. a Facebook live with uh, one of my podcast guests I had it a few years ago, a really sharp guy. And we're, and he basically said, Hey, now's the time for all of us type a personalities that bought a whole bunch of online programs on black <laughs> Friday yeah. to actually log in and use them. That's true. That's true. I mean, last night I told you about this YouTube thing we're doing. So literally last night I was like logging into that one, you know, that one course on YouTube that I bought who knows how long ago that I've never logged into. <laughs> I was thinking I should review a couple of these things and make sure that I'm on the right track. You know? Yeah. We were in a mastermind call and we were talking about uh, just kind of, uh, kind of boys being boys going. So how many courses have you bought that you haven't opened up? So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, we don't want this to go public, but yeah, it wasn't a pretty site. I, yeah. So, so in terms of uh, digital marketing and what you guys do, what are kind of the two or three pillars that you advise people to get started? I mean, obviously, we're not going to go through your whole course, but sure. there's got to be some starting points and some low-hanging fruit. Yeah. So I think, you know, that we, you really have to be sensitive to what your target audience needs. And there's a little bit of, there's a lot of that that changes depending upon what industry you're in and you're, who you're helping. But you also have to just pay attention to the global trends and Right now, not just because of the current crisis, but like right now is in in the last 18 months, there is so much going on at such a high pace that people are really desperate for quick wins. So not so that's really what we recommend is that you're creating free and public quick wins. That could be a video that's like 45 seconds long that you just someone a tip that they can immediately apply in their business or their personal life, depending upon you know your niche. Or it could be a blog post that is the same thing, or it could be a podcast. But you want to focus on those quick wins as a public, I mean, like not behind a paywall, not behind an email list, but a public service that you're doing because the world has changed so much in the last 15, 20 years where now the consumers have all of the power. I mean, they have access to infinite information through, you know, the Google gods. And so when they're when they're looking around and trying to figure out who to follow and who to listen to, they're expecting to have immediate access to something that's valuable. And so you just need to give that freely and then, on the, and then have a very clear next step for them. 
whether that's for us, it's it's like, hey, we have this free blog and this free YouTube channel. But hey, the next step is is if you subscribe to our free Teach It Forward newsletter, we're going to give you that for free every week. Like a free newsletter that's actually valuable and helpful, but that's the next step. And then after that, we go into paid products, but we always have this very clear what's the next step. And we really try to start at the top with the quick win. So, I mean, that's that's really, I would say that applies to every industry. Yeah, it's, it's sure interesting looking at my uh, my inbox to see, you know, who's who's serving, mm-hmm. um, who says they're serving <laughs> and who hasn't changed uh, their approach at all. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I we had look, we had a whole scheduled campaign. You know, we had like dozens of emails that were written in the queue and scheduled when the headlines kind of broke and like all the news kind of hit its zenith around the coronavirus. And we just deleted them. I mean, we just, like like they're all sitting in Google Docs and Google Drive, and we'll probably never use them for anything. But we just stopped it and we said, "Look, I love um, Brian Kurtz has this uh, metaphor. He talks about it, about the moose on the table. Like, imagine you're in a room where everyone's sitting around this boardroom, and there's this this dead moose sitting there right on the table with flies all around it. It's been sitting there a while. It smells kind of funny. It doesn't look good. And imagine you were just sitting around that table, kind of like casually chatting and not acknowledging at all, right? Like like you would just seem like the most clueless person if you weren't acknowledging the moose on the table. And so, you know, there are a lot of people in my inbox who unfortunately are not acknowledging the moose on the table. They're just, they're sending the same exact emails they would have sent, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, before we had the threat of an economic crisis and a health crisis and emotional crisis. And it's just, it's just not, it's not sensitive and it's not relevant. Yeah, totally agree. So what have you guys done to kind of uh, to adapt? Are you making any changes um, to your business aside from your your messaging? Yeah, I mean, messaging is the biggest change, but we are also, I mean, like our, not just messaging, but also delivery. I mean, like I mentioned this, this whole like daily YouTube strategy that we're doing right now is definitely a reaction to the current need and demand is to say like, okay, well, let's just, you know, let's just, let's just go all in. I mean, let's just, let's just ramp up instead of ramping back. And, you know, the flip side of that, I would say is that I think the most important thing we did was we stopped all email communication. We waited a day, we paused, and then we sent an email that just said, I mean, the subject line was literally, where do we go from here? And I just connected to people. It was from me and said, like, here's what's going on in the world. You feel it. We feel it. Does that mean we're going to back off? No, because it means we're more committed than ever to help you simplify online marketing because now you need to get heard above the noise more than ever. And we want to help you succeed. So we're going to continue creating free and useful resources as well as paid resources to help you. And really just we communicated candidly about that. And we got so many thank you messages. I mean, essentially, we sent an email that said, hey, I'm going to keep emailing you and selling stuff to you. And we got thank you messages back. <laughs> you know, and that was really validating, but that's what we're after. So that's well, I think, you know, after. from what the way I see it, I mean, I, um, I, I worked through the 2007, 2008 mm-hmm. financial crisis with all my clients in the finance business. Oh, great. And, you know, you know, we didn't we didn't try to take advantage of people. We just serve people by mm-hmm. by, you know, giving them the advice they asked for or paid for. Um, and what we saw were huge, huge wins for those people. And the, and a the whole bunch of people just disappeared. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're talking about taking advantage of people. Like you said, you're you're offering to help them. Your company needs to pay its bills, pay its staff, just like mine does. Totally. So at this time, we're trying to support all the businesses that we can. We haven't cut back. I've just hired, just added a new staff member just a couple days ago so yeah we're just gonna keep plugging away and serving people and and communicating yeah well and i would say i mean we do need to be sensitive to the fact that it's different for every industry a little bit because i also like i also own a co-working space and it's literally closed i mean it's just like you know by local ordinance you know it's that's out of my power and so 
there are a lot of industries that are hit pretty hard by this and you still have to pivot. You still have to think, what does this make possible? Thankfully, in my situation, I'm diversified and so I'm not too worried about it. But I think, yeah, you got you to look at how do you serve people? I mean, it, that's really what has to be the, the focus. So as a person who's got lots of expertise in this space uh, in terms of uh, branding and digital marketing, uh, stealing a Tim Ferriss question, what's some of the bad advice that you hear um, out there that entrepreneurs will often uh, <laughs> uh, hear? Well, you can probably infer one of them is that you need to be everywhere, right? I mean, I've already kind of given my social media yep. speech, so I don't need to give that one again. But I do think that another one is really, I mean, this one, I just had a conversation online with someone about this today, but it's the uh, the the myth and the holy grail of the logo. You know how many people spend hundreds of dollars they don't have on quote unquote professional looking logos for their website because they want to grow their business. But the reality is a logo serves a purpose. I mean, the purpose of a logo is to have a memorable brand mark, to have a memorable sign that reminds people um, that really just like it actually works psychologically to tie memories back to a specific icon. So, you know, companies like Bank of America, Microsoft, Apple, et cetera, all these big, huge companies, they spend ridiculous amounts of money every year trying to make their brand relatable, trying to humanize it and personalize it. And they do that with their logo, among other things. And so many times I see the individual professional. So it's like a John Meese, you know, or like like a one person shop or a small team who they're creating this logo to try to appear professional, but they're forgetting the fact that they were actually born with the best logo in the world on their face. And so they're, they're just spending, that's just one of the pieces of bad, bad advice I hear is to invest in a professional logo. Because if you're building a personal brand, you need, if you're investing in anything, it needs to be a professional headshot. But you need to really lead with your face and your personality because the big companies with logos, they're trying to spend mass amounts of money to pretend to be human. You already are a human. Just use that advantage. <laughs> use that to your advantage. So that's, that's a great point. I love that. Yeah, they're trying to pretend to be human. <laughs> that's good. Well, and you know, it's funny because um, back a number of years ago, I wanted to run an experiment. So I was uh, I was doing a lot of um, uh, client work in the U.S. So I set up uh, my first C corp, and oh, I thought, I wonder, I wonder how far I can go without having any any tools at all. So I, I incorporated the company, or had the lawyers incorporate the company, and set up the office and do everything we need to be, to be compliant. Mm -hmm. And then I landed my first two contracts without a business card, uh, without a website. Wow. So then I had to. I got home back from LA, registered the domain name, set up an email account so I could email them the invoice. They mailed me the check. I drove to the U.S. office, picked up the check, went to the bank and opened up the bank account. <laughs> That's great. So I think for you know people that are listening that may need to pivot, hey, I was doing this before and that industry is not going to recover or I have a brick and mortar, like you said, your co-working space is closed down. You know, to be digital and online, I mean, I've got a phone. And yeah. so those conversations were done by phone or they were done in a face-to-face -face meeting. And there was no logo, there was no branding, there was no anything. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, I showed that I could help somebody. They believed that I could help them. We agreed on a price. I sent them a proposal and then, you know, the rest is all history. Exactly. I mean, what you're describing is what I mean when I come back, when I, I you know, repeating myself now, but when I mentioned that whole idea of creating real solutions to real problems for real people is that yeah. nowhere in there do you need a logo or a business card. I mean, like those are, those can be useful tools, maybe in the right context, but you actually need to focus first on the people and find out what problems they have, and then what solutions can you offer. I mean, you kind of work, work backwards from there. And so before you worry about a logo or a business card, worry about the people. Get clear on who are the people that you're actually helping.
Yeah, I used to I used to instruct at a college. I would volunteer one day every five weeks and go in and do like a five or six hour lecture for new business owners and listen and I have them list oh, what are all the things that you think you need to do to market your business? And and I would get a copy of their marketing plan mm. and then go through and ask them, so who's your target audience? Is your target audience read the read the local newspaper? Do they actually go to the Chamber of Commerce? Well then why are you gonna join or why are you gonna right. run an ad there? Why are you gonna do this? Like and I said, then I'd say to them, are you, would you be surprised if I told you I don't have a brochure? And they go, what do you mean you don't have a brochure? <laughs> I said, I don't have a brochure. I just don't, I don't have one. I don't print one. I don't have one. My, I don't use that as part of my selling process. I said, what I do when I go to a client, I don't have a pitch deck either. People have a problem. They usually phone me or refer to me. I have a notebook and a pen and I go ask them questions about their problem, what they've done before. And then I get back to them if I think I can help them. And that's it. And for most business owners, I don't know why they wake up thinking, hey, I need to have all these things. Maybe it's because, like you said, they look at the big brands and they want to be, I want, I need to be like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's just, it's really just trying to look at the big successful companies and it's just missing, it's missing the whole point. I mean, like, you know, it's saying like, okay, they have a logo, I need a logo. They're on social media, I need to be on social media. And that's, you know, pulling out my economics nerd card. <laughs> you know, that's correlation, not causality. And like, you just need to focus instead on like, what actually drives results. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that conversation a bunch of times around branding going, we, you can't afford branding. What do you mean you can't afford branding? So you, you guys don't have the budget for that. You're not, you're not McDonald's. Right. You know, you're a startup. You've got, you know, we got $100,000 of marketing money to spend this year. We shouldn't be spending it running branding ads. We need to drive sales. Exactly. So who's one guest I absolutely have to have on my podcast? Well, if you haven't already talked to him yet, then I would definitely say Mike Michalowicz. Um, He's written a lot of books, but I think the one that's been most influential to me has been Profit First. She probably heard of it. People talk about it a lot. But um, yeah. I think that you know he, he mostly focuses on business operations, but I love the way that he breaks down Profit First as it relates to even thinking about your marketing budget differently. And, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, that book changed me. I mean, I'm just going to like, there are a few books that make that list that changed me. And that's one of them. So I would say Mike Michalowicz. Okay, excellent. And if you make an introduction, I'd really appreciate that. Sure. And now, John, what's the best place for people to reach out and connect with you? So you can't find me on social media. <laughs> yes, I, I tried. I wanted to see if, if, you, if that was true in your bio. So I went looking and guess what? You're not there. <laughs> so I just, well, I did just create a YouTube profile, which is kind of like on, it's like technically social media, but it's not. But um, <laughs> well, but forget that for a minute. Um, so if you go to platformuniversity.com slash RMRF, as in real marketing, real fast, um, we actually wanted to, I wanted to curate a few resources for you. So um, I mentioned in earlier, some of the tips that I talked about are actually in our Teach It Forward newsletter, which is a free newsletter that we give away every week through Platform University. And you can sign up for that there if you're interested in. Super cool. And uh, I did uh, I did while you were chatting because we've got the ability of multiple screens, just type in uh, social media. And I did find your post on uh, johnmeese.com forward slash social dash media. Good. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, please join the comments if you want to. If anybody wants to <laughs> spar with me, I'm also happy to, you know, take take disagreements. I'm just happy to um, to grab a cup of coffee when we're done this interview and uh, and have a read through it. Good. So I want to say, hey, thanks so much. Appreciate taking time. Crazy times for sure. Yes. But just so happy that uh, we were able to connect and you were so generous with your time and your information. Well, thank you, Doug. I'm glad that I could be here and thanks for having me.
So there you go, listeners, in another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast, I uh, highly recommend that you head over to uh, John's website and uh, have a look. He's got lots of information on Platform University. There is a quiz there you can take as well to see how you're doing. Uh, one of the things we didn't cover with him uh, in detail today, uh, which I'd love to have another conversation, is around uh, systematiz- systematization or whatever that big word is I can't pronounce right now. But uh, yeah, head over, to his, uh, head over to his website, have a look. You won't find him in social, as you mentioned, but you will find all these details in the show notes when we get it transcribed. Just want to say thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers, as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time. We look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.